can I get out of this situation and just get as far away as possible? I have, unfortunately. So <clears throat> I won't tell you which side of that awkward conversation I'm on, but I'll tell you, as we're kind of uh, talking about this like, uh, great commission that we've been talking about, this Beyond series, and sharing our faith with people, this feels like the right amount of awkward for that, doesn't it? I mean, this feels like just the right amount of cringy for when we have to kind of talk to our people, talk to our friends, talk to our neighbors about Jesus. Like, that's us. We're that guy. It feels like we're that guy when we're trying to say something about our faith. We're just like, hi, neighbor. Do you know Jesus? Jesus knows everything about you. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. So we have this, you know, we want to fulfill the Great Commission, right? We want to share Jesus with people. But apart from a few really talented individuals who just seem to make evangelism look so easy, you know, they just walk into a room for 15 minutes and then they leave and like 75% of them have like come to Jesus during that time. You know, and they were just like in a shopping mall or something. Like there's people like that who just seem to have this real gift. The rest of us, including myself, find it a lot more awkward, don't we? And so there's this hesitancy about going about it. We don't really want to have those conversations, especially with people close to us, especially with people we live with, people in our networks. Does that sound about right? Yep, tracking with me. So this is what the Love Thy Neighborhood series is going to be all about. This is what we're going to be talking about of how we can do this perhaps a little better. So I want to kickstart the series by um, talking through a famous story that Jesus told. Um, it's in Luke chapter 10, and it's called The Story of the Good Samaritan. You may have heard of it. It's okay if you haven't, um, and so we're going to go through it right now. So one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? This is the dream question that we want people to ask us, right? Because they're just like laying it down on a silver platter. But anyway, so Jesus gets this question. And he replies, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said, you got it. Do this, and you will live. By the way, Liam is passing out uh, little worksheets if you are you know, intermediate or younger or older and want to have one, and you can fill that out while you're going through. Charlotte's probably going to grab one. Yeah, you grab one. I totally get that. That's fine. So, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will. Now, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, which you should read, a innocent man, a good man, a man that we like. You know, you're in the movies. This is your protagonist. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Okay? So classic innocent victim here. By chance, a priest came along. Now, priest, hero, 
hero of the people of Israel. A priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, another hero, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Not so great for the hero so far. Then a despised Samaritan. Boo, yes, Samaritan, don't like these guys. These are the villains. Came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay it the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. Kind of cornered here. There's really only one answer. The man replied, without naming who it was, the one who showed him mercy. I don't ever want to use the name Samaritan. It's kind of like Voldemort, you know, he who will not be named. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes. Now, go and do the same. All right. Now, we're going to hang with this story for a few weeks. But the idea I want to pull out this morning is this question that he asked. And he says, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is the one that I'm supposed to love as much as I love myself, according to what God says? Now, it's interesting that in the story, Jesus actually doesn't answer that question. He turns the question around, which is interesting. Jesus likes to do that. Instead of ask, answering who is that guy's neighbor, he answers what kind of neighbor that guy should be. We all should be like that. We all should be the neighbor. But if we look at the parable, we look at the story, we see we're supposed to be the good Samaritan, right? That's kind of clear. And our neighbor becomes the one that we see lying on the side of the road needing our help, yeah? Now, if I'm going to pull that story out of first century Palestine and put it on a flight and take it to 21st century New Zealand and drop it down in our current situation, we don't often see people beat up and lying on the side of the road. It does happen, unfortunately, sometimes, but that's not, thankfully, a common occurrence for us. We're not going to mosey on down to New World and find someone like that. But the thing that Jesus likes to do is he uses stories of physical suffering and he uses them to represent the problems that people face across the whole spectrum of their lives. The physical issues, pain and suffering that they deal with. The emotional difficulties, pain and suffering they deal with. The mental difficulties, pain and suffering and the spiritual suffering that people have. They're all represented here by this guy lying on the side of the road. And you know what? We've got lots of people in our world who are suffering physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, don't we? I mean, we look all over the world, and we can see chaos reigning. We can see lives filled with darkness. We look in New Zealand and we can see the same story playing out again and again and again. We even look in our own communities just down the road and we see people who are hurting across those different spectrums. 
But then we also know that there are people we don't see, aren't there? People who look fine. People who, you know, they dress fine. They've got a good job. They've got a family. They've got a nice house. Everything, maybe, maybe it's looking peachy keen on the outside. You know, they're crushing life. Everything is fine for them. But we know that many of them are still drowning in a sea of anxiety, of shame, of debt, of health concerns, of relational concerns, of mental health issues, loneliness, addiction. They need a neighbor to come by and to show mercy to them. But that's not all, because if I believe the words of my Bible, and I do, just by the by, if I believe those words, I believe that anyone who does not have that family relationship with Jesus, who is not part of his kingdom, we believe that they are also suffering spiritually. They need that mercy too. Their separation from God separates them from life from true life. It separates them from fulfilling the true meaning of what it means to be human, what we were created, what we were built, what we were sewn together to do, the life we were designed to live. They are separated from that. They may seem fine. They may seem happy. But there is a disconnect from what it means to be human. They're separated from the only love in the universe that can truly heal and restore and give life and life to the full. They need a neighbor to come along and to show them mercy, to see them and to patch their wounds. So our world is full of people. Our lives are full of people who are metaphorically sitting on the side of the road, beaten and bleeding and in desperate need of healing and love that Jesus can bring. Yeah? So again, we feel that motivation that we want to help. We want to, to, partic- we want to participate. That nearly came out really badly. We, we want to participate in showing mercy. We want to come alongside them. We want to heal them. We want to put them on our sort of donkey of life. And I don't know how far you can take that metaphor, but we want to help, right? We do. But we also don't necessarily want to do that to the people who we're close to. You know, so this is, this is kind of what happens, is we will, we will sign up for a ministry. You know, maybe we'll go and help the homeless downtown, or we will sign up for a missions trip overseas because we want to bring Jesus to the world. And these are amazing things, by the way. I'm not saying anything against those things. But sometimes we do that so that we can fulfill the Great Commission somewhere else. We can do it with other people because I don't necessarily want to have that awkward conversation with my neighbor or my colleague at work or the guy who, like, my my family members or something like that. Because here's the thing. I'm going to royally stuff that, that, that up. I know it, right? I know that I'm going to be super awkward just like that guy. I'm going to scare people off. I'm going to burn that bridge. They're going to hate me. It's going to be awkward. But I've got to turn up for work again tomorrow. I've got to come back home after work to that neighbor. 
I've got to have family dinner with these people. So what happens after the disaster that is me trying to share my faith, right? So we kind of say, you know what? On my last day of work, I'm going to go around and I'm going to have that conversation with everybody, you know? And when I sell my house, I'll have a party and I'll, it'll, be, it'll be a church service in my house and I'm going to save everybody on my street because I'm leaving. And on my deathbed, I'll tell my family or their dead, deathbed, whichever comes first. So this is what we do, isn't it? Like, does that kind of, we have this tension. We want to help those that need Jesus, but we don't want to burn the bridges of people we are close with. Do you, am I, like, do you feel that tension? Because I feel that tension. So hopefully this is where the beauty of love thy neighborhood is going to come and change everything. It's, it's the magic pill, the silver bullet. We have this motivation to go out and find people from somewhere else. But, but we know that the best people that we can reach are the ones we're close to. The other ones we're close to. This is interesting about the story of the Good Samaritan. He wasn't on a mission trip. He wasn't doing ministry to the Jewish people. He was walking from one place where he had business to the next place where he had business. And by the way that he sort of talked to the innkeeper, he probably did this quite a lot. This was his normal path, right? He was just doing life, and he saw a need and he filled it. So, how do we answer this question? Who is my neighbor? How do we answer the question that the guy asked? Who is my neighbor? I will tell you this. This is my definition that I want to use for this series. Our neighbors are the people God has put in our path who need our help. That's it. It's the one who's put us in. You know, there are going to be some people who are called to go and be missionaries overseas. There may be people in this room who God is just waiting for that time, that bombshell to drop on your life, and you're going to be like, I just started a new job, and Jesus is like, <laughs> go to Africa. So that's, that's going to be your story, one of your stories, maybe. All right? Some of you will do that. Some of you will take these ministry jobs like I took, where it's your job to be doing stuff like this. But most of you are just going to live your lives in the places where you live and go to work in the places where you work and you're going to have the family that you have and it's going to seem normal and random, but it's not. I believe God has placed you exactly where he wants you. And we need to be aware that the people he has placed on your path are the ones he wants you to help. And yet we have that tension. We have that tension because we don't want to burn a bridge with someone that we love. We don't want to burn a bridge with someone we live near. We don't want to destroy that chance because we feel like if we just go and tell them, especially in today's world, they're going to hate it, and that's it. So let's try something a bit different. Let's try a different perspective. Love Thy Neighborhood is going to take a page out of the Samaritan's book. And it's going to guide us into changing our approach towards sharing Jesus just a little bit. 
changing the way that we think about this thing called evangelism. Instead of leading with our words, instead of leading with an explanation of the gospel and all those super awkward and, quite frankly, from their perspective, unwanted conversations, we are simply going to start with natural, easy, simple actions of love and service. We're just going to serve people. We're just going to love on people. This might seem a little counter to the way that you have thought about what evangelism is, the way that you've thought about what sharing your faith is. How can you share your faith without talking, right? But it's actually far more prevalent in the biblical story and in the history of the church than you might think. There are lots of examples of people who loved others, and that love opened up those opportunities for talking. And in our current culture, it makes far more sense to lead with love than to lead with truth. Do not hear me saying that I don't believe in truth or that they need to hear it. But it makes more sense to lead with love than to lead with truth. That hasn't always been the case in our history, but it is definitely the case now. Does that make sense? Theodore Roosevelt said, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This guy was a president over 100 years ago, and he nailed it. He nailed our culture. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Our actions of love and of service will speak far louder of our faith and draw far more people into that space of faith than our words alone will do. So I think, this is what I want to try. I want to try an experiment. I'm not normally the type to kind of lay, well, maybe I am actually, to lay challenges on you. But I want you to take this challenge with me. I want you to, to commit to the idea of loving for a year. Now, God may have you on certain paths with certain people and there's conversations already happening and there's things going on and, and I don't want you to necessarily stop what God has making available to you. But if you're looking for a place to start, as I suspect most of us are, let's start for a year loving people. 12 months. Simply love and serve our neighbors with no strings attached, no ulterior motive, no cunning schemes, just genuine, authentic relationship. That's it. And then watch. Just watch. Watch the Holy Spirit work. You remember that guy, the one who's doing all of the real work in this evangelistic thing anyway? Watch him work through your love and open up opportunities, natural ones, easy ones, simple opportunities where people will want to hear the truth that you can then insert into that space. Truth to ears that are actually open to hearing it. Hearts that are actually receptive to receiving what you're saying. 
People who want to know what you know because they already know how much you care. Can we do that? Can we try that experiment? Can we see what it would be like if we just tried loving the people around us and being open to what God does with that? Because here's the real joy of it. It's so easy. It's so much easier, so much less awkward than starting with your faith story. It's something any of us can do. No, it's something all of us can do. Now, we're going to guide you through some steps that we want to take on this. And I think the first step is to identify what your neighborhood is. Who are the people God is putting in your path? For some of you, the Spirit is already bringing up people to mind. I can sort of tell he's going to be like, yep, okay, I know this person. I'm already getting some faces. I'm already getting some names of people that God wants me to start loving on. And maybe it's your work colleagues. Maybe it's your extended whanau. And, and family members. For me, it's uh, my boys' school, that school community um, where I'm just trying to invest myself and love on people and, and serve the school as best as I can. That's, that's my neighborhood. But for a lot of us, and, and I possibly would say most of us, we don't have an idea right from the start. We don't know where to begin. Let's just begin with our physical, literal neighborhoods. We're already, most of us are already neighbors. Some of you are out in the WAP, so you're going to have to think of something else. <laughs> but some of you are just, you're in communities already. I mean, most cities just put, put house, 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 house. You already have a street that you live on. You already have people who are physically around you. So maybe we just start loving on them. And again, it doesn't have to be spectacular, grandiose, it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be awkward. Just simple ways of getting to know the people who are around you, building genuine relationships. Now, one of the things we want to do in the series and throughout the next year, actually, we're not going to be doing a teaching series for the next year, but we're going to continue keeping this in front of you. And one of the ways we want to do that is to share some of your stories, some of the things that you guys are doing to try and love the people around you whether it's your physical neighborhood or your work colleagues or your fano or schools or whatever that is, there are stories to be told, not to show, hey, guys, check me out. I am winning this competition, right? I'm going to get that prize, whatever the prize is, because I am crushing this sharing thing. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is just hearing even failures or successes, things that you are doing so that we can get ideas, where we can encourage each other, we can celebrate some victories, we can come alongside here, we can help each other take that next step. Yeah? So, first video I want to look at is the story of Raquel's neighborhood. So Raquel, by the way, who has injured her knee, I'm sorry, Raquel, that's horrible. But we love Raquel, and Raquel has just got this natural way of meeting up her neighbors, and, and doing some really cool things. So, Nate, if you want to um, show that video. And now you understand the music. I'm an Andrew Cow, and I've been coming to Church Northwest for about three years, and um, welcome to my neighborhood. 
this would be way funnier if you'd seen the show. Oh, well, when we all moved in in a similar time, we, you know, it was around the same, within a few months. Yeah. And so it was easy just to go out and say hi on the couch. Yeah. You know, and what do you do during the day? And because there were so many kids, I think there's like about 20 kids just along the street. Yeah. And um, so it was easy just to connect. And they saw my veggie gardens. I had these fabulous, I love veggies. And I had some veggie gardens, and the, the silver beet was growing up the fence. <laughs> They're very distracting. <laughs> She's trying to scratch the wall off. What are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I'm talking. <laughs> And soon enough, I was handing out silver beet over the fence out over, just over here. So I was like, you know, share with the neighbours. And um, then I, the lady on the corner just said, you know, let's go and meet the neighbours and offer it to the neighbours. And that's how we meet everybody. When people are walking past, we have a lot of traffic that comes down the street. And a lot of hospital people too. And um, sometimes you can see that they're having a bad day. And because you, you naturally you sort of go, hey, how are you going? You know, and sometimes you can see their face and they're not looking so good or they're crying. And so she built this garden on the corner and it started out really, really tiny and then it just got bigger and bigger and people would drive past and they'd be like, hi, and they'd know us by name and, you know, and um, so we stand there and, you know, we're just familiar faces. When Tina said to me, I'll introduce you to, you know, the single dad and the elderly man and stuff like that, <laughs> I said, I hope you like barbecues. I've got a brand new barbecue. I said, I need to use it more often. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I like, I like my meat, you know, sort of thing. So sure enough, barbecue across the road. <laughs> you can hear it coming down the driveway. He's got a steep driveway. And um, the elderly man, you know, I said, come and, come and have you know, a sausage. We could only do sausages. but um, And then the boys down the back sort of could smell what was going on. So luckily we had a big bag of sausages. But, um, but yeah, so, and then when they go to work now, hey, how you going? Have a good day. <laughs> we did put... Um, things in the letterboxes, you know, like if you needed a hand or, you know, I just said, hey, I'm Raquel, I'm new to the neighbourhood, you know, um, if you need anything or if I can help you with anything. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you don't normally get any answer, but then what happened is during COVID, of course, it all highlighted that. And then of course they all come down and they're like, I'd be like, oh, I'm Raquel. And they'd be like, oh, hi Raquel, you know, like finally we get to meet and, you know, and it was, so I just got to meet random people all down the street. So um, it doesn't take a lot to meet everybody in the street. They say like, why are you always smiley and why are you... And I said, I'm not always this smiley. Um, I said, you know, there's days where I don't function this well. But um, I said, when I go to church, I've got my church family and Tina was sharing about her life. And, um, and they're like, oh yeah, okay. So they were open to, they weren't shutting us down. And so they still accepted that um, we were, we weren't trying to push anything onto them, we were just who we were. Yeah, and it was lovely, and I just met so many different kinds of people, it was, it was really good. And I'd be standing out there by my veggie garden doing stuff, and they'd just be like, hey, how are you going today? You know, and I'd say, do you want some veggies? Get them some veggies. Yeah. So, it was really easy. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So again, we're not necessarily doing these videos so that we can like put Raquel on a pedestal and, and you know, I mean, she's amazing, but we just want to do this so that we can share ideas. So what, what are some of the things you noticed about the way she went about it, things that she did that might be transferable to other places? Nate's going to come around with a microphone, so we're going to do a little uh, 
Simon here figure out what we got on the video. So what's, yep, all right. Um, just be willing to help anyone that comes along with a need. Yeah, be willing to help. That's just amazing. You know what I really like too, just about that part, is she put something in the letterboxes for people, but she wasn't putting like attract or, or, or you know, become a Christian type thing in the mailbox because that's not going to go well, but a how can I help you? Simple, it's neighborly, it's, it's friendly, and then from that other things sort of arise. Yep, anyone else? What else did you notice about what she did? Just simple, easy things. Katie? Um, I really liked how, Raquel, you were proactive. You know, mm. moving into a new place, I think that's a great way to go about it. And also making uh, the space really beautiful with all the, you know, hanging baskets. And it's cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I really like sort of community space just on the side, on the corner of a street where people can sit and come together. It's, it draws people in. There's beauty there. It's kind of fun. It's little. It's not serious. It's just kind of a fun little place. And but people who have got heavy hearts can come and sort of unload in that space. Really, really cool idea, and easy to sort of put together. Got a chair. What else? What else do we notice? Or any other ideas that you might have? Yeah, Jeff. Uh, I thought it was really cool that you didn't say it's because I'm Christian, but you shared some of your own vulnerability around well, I'm not always like this, and I have a support network around me, and that happens mm. to be the church, and so I'm supported, and so I'm choosing to support. It's, yeah, it's cool. Yep, and she was able to kind of let people know who she was, the faith that she had, in response to a question that they had about her attitude and about the way she lived her life, you know? So it's not forcing, it's waiting for that question and giving that. What about other ideas that you might have about ways that we can engage with people to get to know in natural, unassuming, unawkward ways, to get to know our neighbours. Anyone got any ideas? Don't forget about the sausies. She did the sausage sizzle. That was it. Yeah, that's a good idea. idea. Yeah. Everybody Especially loves Especially for people who may not be able to get out and about very much, if you've got elderly neighbours or people who are stuck at home for whatever reason, um, taking it to them. <laughs> what a great idea, you know. Helen? Um, I noticed just giving out of what she had already, whether it yeah. be just so not, just an extension of what she's already doing. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't unnatural. It's like suddenly I have, a, you know, this, I don't know what, you know, sort of like I've brought in a veggie garden, you know, and it's like, why did you do that? You hate gardening. And it's just kind of, it's not forced, it's not unnatural, it's what I normally love to do. And I'm just going to pour that up. In the Bible app, if you guys have been using the Bible app, and I'd recommend it for this series, because one of the things that we've put in there is a list of different ideas, um, different things that you can do that have been done by some people or some ideas around just getting to know your neighbors in easy ways. Um, so right at the bottom of the service there, um, and you can add some of your own ideas and just kind of keep a tally um, or something like that. Whitney, can you remember one of them as an example? I'm putting Whitney on the spot. I remember one. Bringing meals to people who are going through stressful times. Um, if you see a neighbor doing yard work, offer to jump in and lend a hand. Mm. Um, that's just a couple of things. Start up a game of street cricket on the weekend if it's safe to do that in your street. Um, you'll be surprised how many... I live on State Highway 16. We're not doing that, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, you'll be surprised how many kids just come out of the wood work yeah. to join in a game like that. Yeah. Yeah. Adults are nervous around meeting new people. Kids are not. But when your kids go out and play the game, the parents will come out because their kid is there, and the kids become the sort of transcendent third, you know? And so you've got this great little casual game of cricket going with the kids, and parents come out, oh, hi, how's it going? This is my kid, and they seem to be getting along. And suddenly a conversation arises, and you know each other, and it's, it's really good. And then you've got beautiful things down the road, play dates, you know, or sports or whatever. You could do all sorts of different things. So... Have a look at that list in the Bible app. Continue thinking about this. We'll have other times of discussion throughout the series and throughout the next year where we can talk about ideas and we can help each other. Have conversations over morning tea. You know, talk about some of maybe who your neighbors are. Maybe as you process what sort of neighborhood you see yourself being in, whether it's physical neighborhood or work or what that is. And maybe if you find someone who's kind of thinking, my workplace is my neighborhood, and I want to invest and love and serve them. And you know if someone else is doing the same thing, you guys get together and talk through what that might look like specifically for, for you. So there's lots of things that we can do. One of the things I wanted to... You need to switch back to the thing. We could, Yep. I'm just going to let Nate do that. But I wanted to kind of finish up today just by thinking through the impact that we can have. We often think... I'm just one person, right? And I don't know what I can do. I can't make that big of a difference. And you know what? You are. You're one person on one family living on one street. It's just, it's just one street. But then also next to you is another family on another street and another street and another street. These are all the streets that are represented in this church. And what if there were just a couple people a few people on each of those streets that were able to just love and serve and care for each other. You're all looking for your street, aren't you? Yeah, I get that. That's fine. <laughs> but imagine if there was just a few people on each of those streets. There's like 40 streets up there changing the world one neighborhood at a time. So that's what we're going to be doing. That's what Love Thy Neighborhood is all about this year, this is the biggest, most important thing that we're going to do as a church this year. In fact, I think we have done as a church up until this point. And I really encourage you to pray about how you can own this and make it who you are. Because it's simple, it's easy. If you want to do something that requires resources, maybe we can bring some of those resources to bear on that. As a church, we can help each other out. In small groups, if you're in a small group, you can talk through what are some of the things that you're doing in your different neighborhoods and maybe help each other with that. If you're not in a small group, talk to me. We can get you into a small group. Um, we even want to start some new small groups. So if you feel like you're a small group leader or would be okay facilitating something like that, let us know. We can do this and we can do it together. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for placing us exactly where you wanted us, for putting us in the networks of people, the neighborhoods where you want to have an impact. And Lord, you know how awkward it can be for us and the tension that we have between wanting to do something positive for you and for your kingdom and wanting to bring people into your family because we know that's the best thing. We know how amazing that is, but we don't want to burn the bridges along the way, and we don't want to scare people away. We don't want to make it super awkward. 
So help us to find natural, easy ways to just love and serve people. And then, Lord, we are asking, relying, begging you to use those things to open up opportunities for us to share more of the faith story that we have, but in natural ways, ways where they want to know what we know. Help us to show people how much we care so that they will want to know how much we know about you. We rely on you for that, and we thank you that you want to do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.